0: It's great to have you here as we start this new sermon series in the Gospel of John that we've called um, Life to the Full. Now, straight off the bat, what I want us to do is keep a finger in John 1 and turn to the end of John's Gospel. So that's page 1090 and chapter 20 and verses 30 and 31, because here John tells us why he is writing his Gospel. Um, each gospel writer has his own unique purpose. Do you know that? For a lot of my Christian life, I hadn't realized that. I thought the gospels were just sort of haphazardly put together by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You could sort of dip in and out wherever you wanted to, take from it what you... I didn't realize each had this unique purpose and carefully structured order, argument. Matthew, his focus on Jesus the promised king, Mark the servant king, Luke the human king. Look here at John's unique purpose. So 1090... Chapter 20, verses 30 to 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. So for John, calls the miracle signs, which are not recorded in this book. Just imagine how long the gospel would have been then. But these are written. So I've chosen some specific signs that I'm going to write down here that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his So do you see what the ultimate pastoral purpose of John, why he is writing this gospel, what he wants his readers to get, what he wants you and I to get today. He wants us to have life. Life in Jesus' name. Life, as Jesus himself puts it in chapter 10, life to the full. And we're going to have to see what that means exactly through this series. But straight off the bat, is there anything more relevant for us than considering what life is truly about. I mean, we're all trying to make sense of life right in the city of London. We want to know who we are, why we're here. Where's true meaning to be found? How do we live life to the full? How many of us can say we really know it, really living it? I saw a film the other day called Living on Amazon Prime, stars Bill Nye. I don't know if you've seen it. And it's about this very ordinary man, Mr. Williams, who's had his zest and joy for life sort of strangled um, by the... Monotony um, and boredom of his job and commuting in and out day by day and week by week, and he's just like the shell of his former self. And all this suddenly changes when he gets this terminal diagnosis for cancer, and he thinks to himself, "My goodness, like I've forgotten how to live." And he dashes to the bank and he takes out half his life savings, and he goes down to a beach town known for its hedonism and escapism. But then he gets there, and he realizes he doesn't actually know what to do. And in this, like, quiet plea for help, he turns to the stranger he's met in the cafe and says, "Look, I, I want to enjoy myself and little, little live a little. I don't know how." And I wonder if that is the unspoken cry of many people living in London today. It admits the the busyness, the freneticness of life. Sometimes, at times, the mundane, the boring. The monotony, and have we forgotten actually how to live life, and what's it about, and how to make deep, lasting friendships, how to prioritise relationships, how to get on with those we disagree with, and not just ignore them or cancel them, how to deal with pain and suffering in a good way? You know, we're now being told we're living in broken Britain. How do we get on with that? How do we cope with that? How to find joy? In the mundane, in the, I was driving the other day, I noticed there was something flapping on my windscreen, wipe, and I thought, oh my goodness, i got another parking ticket in London. So I stopped the car and I had a look, and it wasn't a parking ticket. It was a note. A note that someone who'd passed by just popped in there. And this note, it said, I love the way you park your slightly too long car in your slightly too long parking space. It gives me joy as I commute into work. Oh, yeah, I want to meet this person. I want to meet this person who wrote this. Here is someone who has found joy in like the little things of life. Now, is that you? Is that not you that's put the note in there? But do you, oh, could you have this joy? How's, it, how's, it go? how's life going for you? Would you say you have life to the full? This is what John's Gospel is all about, what this sermon series is about. And as we come to these opening chapters in John's Gospel, These very famous verses in chapter 1, we're going to see why this fullness of life can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's all to do with recognizing who Jesus really is. So come down with me, first of all, verses 1 to 5, who Jesus is. This is verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So here we are straight away. We're introduced to this figure, the Word. And we think, who is this Word? Later on in verse 14 next week, we'll see the Word becomes flesh. That is a human being. And in verse 17, we're told that his name is Jesus Christ. So what the author John here in the opening of his gospel is wanting us to be absolutely clear on the pre-existence of Jesus Christ. Right? Other gospels begin with the virgin birth, the shepherds, the stable. John takes us all the way back before the beginning of time, before the creation of anything. And in the beginning was the word. This eternal being. The word was with God. He's relational. The word was God. He's divine. He was with God in the beginning. He is personal. And through him, we're told, all things were made. He is the creator. Jehovah's Witnesses, if you've ever had someone knock on the door, you've got in a conversation with them, you'll often hear them say that Jesus was created by God and therefore not someone to be worshipped. But do we see here that John wants us to be absolutely clear that through Christ, all things were made? He flips it to the negative. Nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is not a created being. Jesus is the eternal word. And in him was life, fullness of life. It all through him, the life that's the light of an indestructible life because the darkness of sin and death can never overcome it. So why is fullness of life to be found in Jesus Christ? Well, he's the author, the meaning of life, the creator of life. Do we see who Jesus really is? So easy for us to have a domesticated view of Jesus. So easy for us to think perhaps that Jesus is Existence only started 2023 years ago. For so many, the early part of my Christian life, that's what I thought. So easy for us to think of Jesus as a mere prophet, a mere teacher, a mere miracle walk, worker, a mere religious leader. But do you see what John is claiming about Jesus Christ? That he is the all divine, all personal, all creating, life giving, indestructible, eternal. Word. This is the Jesus we follow if you're a Christian here today. This Jesus. Now, look, of course, many people do not believe this today, do not believe this explanation of the universe and life. We live in a Western culture now that predominantly holds to a secular, humanistic understanding of the universe that everything came into being by accident, that you and I are here by chance, that ultimately everything came out of nothing. So to quote a Monty Python comedy sketch, we come from nothing, we are going back to nothing, in the end, what have we lost? Nothing. Which gets a bit of a laugh. But if you think about it for a moment, it is deeply unsatisfying. I mean, deep down, we long for there to be meaning and purpose and direction to our lives. We long for there to be something more than just this life. We hope that death is not the end. But we really have just come from nothing and that we're going to nothing. Then whatever subjective meaning we place on our lives now, ultimately, it is meaningless. Our lives completely meaningless. You and I have no ultimate value at all. We are not special. We're just a random collection of atoms that have been joined together for a period of time and we're aimlessly floating around through space-time for a period and gone which is a pretty depressing view of life, right? And ourselves. And we wonder why there are so, so many mental health issues right now in this country if this is the predominant worldview that people are growing up in. And yet, yeah, what John gives us here in these opening five verses is a far more attractive and uplifting explanation of the universe, of our origins, and where we have come from. Not from nothing, not even from something. We have come from someone. The Word made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has made us especially for him and for us to love one another. Why is it that love and relationships matter so much? We have been made by the one who is himself love, who from all eternity past has been a relationship, God the Father, God the Son, and the bond of the Holy Spirit. And we're made in His image to love Him and love one another. Why is this universe so fine-tuned? Why did life come from non-life? Why did consciousness come from matter? Why did the greatest software code in existence, DNA, come to be written? Because behind it all is an author. Behind it all is a creator who has spoken this universe into existence, spoken you into existence, personally, uniquely. You do have value. You are special. There is meaning and purpose and direction to your lives because you have been made through Jesus Christ and for him. Wasn't it Albert Einstein, the famous scientist, I think he once said, the most incomprehensible thing about the universe is that it is comprehensible. Please be reassured, we have a comprehensible God who speaks, who creates, gives life, who has put meaning and purpose, direction in all aspects of this universe. It's why we can study it, why there can be science, why we can understand right from wrong. Now look, I'm conscious there'll be some here looking into Christian things, or you're unsure of what you believe. You're not gonna take this on face value. Maybe you're thinking, what about other religions? Maybe you're thinking, how can this guy John know about what happened before the creation of the world? What does it even mean to believe in Jesus Christ, have a relationship with him? He's not around anymore. What's that look like? All brilliant questions, all questions that we're going to address through this sermon series. Love you to come back. Love for you to explore these, for us to explore these questions together. Most of us here, though, are followers of Jesus Christ. And I hope these verses help us never to domesticate Jesus Christ. Never to bring him down completely to our own level so that he's only fully human. Yes, he's fully human. He's also fully divine. He's the all-divine, all-personal, all-creating, life-giving, indestructible, eternal word who was with God and was God in the beginning. And to have this Jesus in your life Do you not think that everything is going to work out in the end for good? Like whatever struggles or difficulties you're bringing to church this afternoon, you don't think Jesus can can sort it out? He's the creator of everything. In him is fullness of life. And if we're thinking of how do we have a deeper, richer experience of life, well, can you see it's got to come through a deeper, richer experience of him? If you're wanting to grow and have a deeper, richer community, hear Let's find it in Jesus, through whom all relationships, all community comes, who is himself part of the perfect community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we're made in his image. You want to grow deeper in your knowledge and experience of your work, your sexuality, your friendships, relationships? How's that going to? It can only come through the one through whom has made it all. He made work, he made sex, he made friendship. Let's get to know Jesus better. And we'll have this deeper, richer, more fullness of life. However it is you want to grow right now, however you want to develop as a human being today, this week, this year, can only come through a deeper experience of Christ, through whom all things were made. So that's verses 1 to 5. I'm writing this gospel that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing have life in his name. Now, as we move on secondly... To verses 6 to 13, I want us, with the remainder of our time, to consider two different responses to who Jesus is. We've seen who he is, now let's see how people respond to him. Two main responses. The first response comes in verses 6 to 11, where we introduce us to another John. Don't confuse him with the author John, this is John the Baptist. We'll see more of him in a couple of weeks' time in verses 19 to 34. But for now, notice the light imagery that is used in verse 8. He, John the Baptist himself, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now, light reveals things. That's who Jesus is. He reveals things about himself. That's how the author, John, can know about his pre-existence. And Jesus reveals things about God and a relationship with God and how to live in God's world. And so you'd think the light comes into the world, brings enlightenment, in the true sense of the word, to humanity, well, everyone's going to open their arms and welcome him in. Except what do we see in verse 10? He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Now, how can that be? The creator comes to his creatures, and the creatures don't recognize him. What is going on? Back in 2007, at a metro station in Washington, D.C., a man with a violin played six bark pieces for 45 minutes. During that time, approximately 2,000 people went through the station, most of them on their way to work. The musician played continuously for those 45 minutes. During that time, only six people stopped and listened for a short while. About 20 gave money, but continued to walk along at their normal pace. The man collected a total of $32. Now, do you know who this man was? A man called Joshua Bell, who at the time, one of the greatest violinists in the world, he played one of the most intricate pieces ever written with a violin worth $3.5 million. And not a single person recognized him. It is so easy to do, to not recognize who someone really is. And people do it with Jesus Christ all the time. I even heard a conversation just the other day as we were walking in London, someone was talking about Jesus and, and another person said, "He didn't even exist. Even though there's no historian in the world who denies the existence of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, he's obviously a good guy, good man, a good teacher. And they li- How many people just figuratively walk on by like with Joshua Bell? To try and live their lives without Jesus. And not only miss out on who really is, they therefore miss out on the very meaning of life. It is absolutely tragic. Verse 11. He came to that which was his own. That is the Jewish people, the Jewish nation. Who were expecting a Messiah. Who had all the Old Testament prophecies about him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I mean, now what is it about human nature that life comes into the world and the natural response is to reject it? That the light shines in the darkness and people prefer the darkness? What is going on? Now look, John's just opening up some of the big themes of the gospel. By chapter three, we'll look into this some more, get some more clarity on it. But right now, it's worth us just reckoning with the fact of this innate pushback of Jesus Christ. This innate resistance to him in our hearts and our desire to keep in the darkness and, and keep out of the light. And it's worth it just asking the question like, why is that? And where do we see it in our own heart right now? There are certain areas where we just keep Jesus at bay and we push him away. Yet, verse 12. And here's the second response to who Jesus is. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And so look, we've just seen in verses one to five, Jesus' creative power, his life-giving power. Now in verses six to 13, we're seeing the fullness of his grace and mercy and his love and his forgiveness because even though by nature we do push Jesus away and try and live our lives without him and ignore him and forget about him, for those who do receive Jesus he gives the right to belong to the most loving, forgiving, life changing family in the whole universe as you become a child of God now look, as soon as I talk about family I'm conscious that for some here this might be a painful subject, perhaps your family situation is a difficult one right now Perhaps you've never known a loving family. Perhaps you've been shunned by a biological family. Perhaps you've grown up without a father around. Perhaps you've only ever known conditional love. You need to behave, you need to perform, you do well in your exams. Then only then will you be loved and accepted. Perhaps you felt you've never belonged anywhere. If only people knew what I was really like. No one would love. The family of God is nothing like this. So when it comes to being a child of God, think of all the positive connotations. Think of none of the negative ones. Belong to the family of God is to belong to truly belong. You will never be shunned. You will never be abandoned by your heavenly, your perfect heavenly father. It is a place of unconditional love. It is not about your moral religious performance that gets you in or keeps you in. It's all based on Christ's perfect performance for you, his life, his death, his resurrection for you. It's a family where you are nurtured and grow. You can make mistakes without fear of reprisal. There's forgiveness of sin. There's the Spirit's power to change. There is a deep community with others who are with Jesus as well. It's a family which can never be broken apart, even by death. It is where you are truly seen, truly known, accepted as you are, but not left where you are. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. This author, John, will write in one of his letters that we should be called children of God. There is no greater blessing in the entire universe. And all we have to do to become part of this family is to, did you notice verse 12? Receive Jesus yet to all who did receive him. Please notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that you need to achieve this. Don't achieve it, receive it. And so often we get this the other way wrong, completely back to front, thinking we need to be good enough for God, thinking we need to do all these things for him, do these good works, warm up our hearts so we feel love for him and only then will he accept us and have us as part of the family. It has got nothing to do with that. To all who received him, just have to accept it. Entry into his family, adoption into his family, it is a free gift. And all we have to do is receive his love, receive his forgiveness, receive his cleansing power, Receive the Spirit's work in our lives. It says it is not of natural descent. Your ethnic or social standing has got nothing to do with this. Nor of a human decision, if it's ultimately down to us, nor of a husband's will, as if anyone else can make the decision for us. It is of God. It is all of God. It is all of grace. It is a free gift. Receive. I want you. Love me. Adopt me. Make me a child of God. Perhaps you've been in Inspire St. James for a while. You've never personally received Jesus Christ into your life. It's always been sort of at a distance, maybe in the third person, and understandably if you're looking into Christian things for a time. It could be it's still a little bit abstract. It's not personal for you. It could be that you're a little bit nervous, a little bit sensitive, this language of relationship, receiving child of God, but I hope you can see this is the language right out of the Gospels, right out of John, and you've got nothing to fear from him. He made you, life is found in him, and he's made you for a relationship with him, and you don't have to do anything to get in to earn it, you just receive it freely by grace, and you can do that right now, should you please. I'm writing this gospel that so you may believe, receive that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, by believing, have life in his name. And for those of us who have already received Jesus, which will be most of us here, here is a call for us to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ, certainly through this series, this term, and in the year ahead. Like any relationship, there is always room to grow. I've been married to my wife, Jona, for 20 years. I'm still learning new things about her, and it's wonderful. You get to more intimacy, more closeness. Well, just imagine them the depth of relationship that is possible with the one who created all things and in whom is the fullness of life. So let me encourage you to go deeper with him. It's the big thing we're thinking about this year as a church, going deeper with Jesus Christ. What's that gonna look like for you? Where do you wanna grow? More attentive to his voice and scripture? Deeper in your prayer life with him? experiencing more the body of Christ, the church, as you get more committed and stuck in, being on mission, telling others about Jesus and having his special presence with you in that, whatever it is, think it through, pray it through, meditate it through, we'll have a moment at the end of the sermon to do just that so you can grow deeper in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And look, if you're someone here looking into this church, this is what we're all about. We are all about Jesus Christ. Knowing him, going deeper in our relationship with him, Embracing our unity and diversity in him. Inspiring London with the good news about him. And in so doing, living life to the full. So let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank and praise you for these glorious, famous opening verses of John's Gospel where we meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And not just at his birth, but going back all to the beginning and seeing him as this all divine, all personal, all creating, life-giving, indestructible, eternal word that's been with you in the beginning. And not just our creator, but also the one who offers a place of belonging in your family for all eternity, that Jesus is just overflowing with love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And so wherever we're coming from this afternoon, I pray, Father, by your spirit, you would draw us closer to Jesus to help us to get to know him better, to receive him, and to go deeper in our relationship with him, that the fullness of life may come to us and flow in us and out us to others, in our friendships and families, relationships, communities, that more and more of us may experience this fullness of life, and we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.